0: Do you want to do some of them? Not really. Yeah, well, that's, that about sets the tone. Ben doesn't want to talk about Thor The Dark World, neither do I, but this is Ben and Matt's marvellous journey, which means we must, as we are taking a look back at every single entry in the MCU, counting down to Avengers Infinity War. What if that movie sucks and like this whole like 18-week journey has been wasted? I don't know, but my name is Matt, Matt Waters, I am your host, as always, I am joined by Ben Phillips. Ben, how are you on this pleasant, well, rainy afternoon,
1: actually? I'm... I'm good. Regardless of if Infinity War's bad, we're going to have watched all the good movies That's and fun. we'll have get to talk about Black Panther it's in so 10 in ten
0: days, man. When we ten record days. this, it's so soon until it comes out and I can't wait.
1: Yeah, I'm ready to go. I carbo-loaded.
0: I like to, when people ask, you know, what if I eat a large quantity of carbs? I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm training. And I'm like, what for? I was like, being awesome. Like, yeah, it just <laughs> throws people off. Uh, and I need that energy to get through this because what a drag of a movie in some ways. Very, very short, though, so that's, you know, I appreciate that. But yeah, this is Thor The Dark World. It is a sequel to Thor. Funnily enough, Marvel not opting with the numbers for the Thor franchise, or the Cap franchise. That is exclusively for Iron Man, I guess. Or the, or
1: the, yeah, or the, Iron or the Man, Avengers franchise. Or, or, or the... Man.
0: But this gets, gets the old subtitle treatment. But overall, before we even get into it, it's a very forgotten movie. It's a not very well regarded movie. It's got awful villains, it's got an awful third act, it's got the things that people like to to use against these superhero movies generally, but also Marvel. It's got some behind-the-scenes, like, controversy as part of an ongoing sort of year. And the, the next year was good, and then the year after was bad again for this kind of thing. But, you know, they, they got onto a bit of a run of negative press and I think that this thing is sort of dragged out of the depths by Chris Hemsworth and Tom Hiddleston. It almost dares to be fun a few times, but doesn't. Almost. Almost. Coincidentally, not one scene of this takes place in the United States of America. Coincidence that that's why it's bad? Yes. Uh, (laughs) Released November the 8th, 2013. Uh, Since Iron Man 3, we have had some doozies. Man of Steel and The Wolverine. You and I like Iron Man 3, but to uh, to other people, this might be one of the worst years for comic book movies on record. But then again, some people like Man of Steel, so who the fuck knows what's happening. With
1: I travelled a long way to see Man of Steel. <laughs> yeah? How far? Yeah, uh, like a good 40 minute car journey to Ooh. go watch it. There was a cinema in the next town over and we still drove 40 minutes to go see it in Kingston for <laughs> some reason. <laughs> um, yeah, Man of Steel is not good. No, um, one of my friends is a huge
0: Superman fan and I was just... You know, it was like, post-university, you don't really have your life in order. It was like, an, an invitation to do anything outside my house. Okay, then. And then I was like, I spent the whole film like, lol. And I got out of it. I was like, well, that sucked. And he was like, I thought it was really good. And I just knew that our friendship wasn't going to last. And it hasn't. So they you go, <laughs> a good barometer.
1: I mean, it's the second best of the DC Universe, so... Uh, I disagree. But,
0: oh no, what What are you... <sighs> No, no, no.
1: Batman is Superman's
0: better than Man of Steel. No, it's not. It is. <laughs> this is not what this is about. This is how they win, then. They downvote Black Panther and Rotten Tomatoes before it's come out, and they try and pit us against each other with Man of Steel. So this is made on a budget of $170 million, which is the smallest amount of money they will put towards a film until Ant-Man. It made $644 million, which is more than all the like pre-Avengers films, but it is the lowest
1: amount they will make
0: to date unless black panther bombs which seems incredibly unlikely
1: (laughs) i mean it seems like black panther's gonna make that much money in its opening weekend worldwide so (laughs) most likely uh, so we'll we'll see i mean the biggest issue with black panther is that chinese market which
0: (laughs) yeah that could be a problem but hopefully the sort of cultural importance counteracts that yeah it's interesting you know this is while this is the lowest they'll ever make again it's more than they made before so a definite And this film, Ant Man. Ant Man makes less
1: money, does it? It Yes, Ant Man makes five
0: hundred nineteen (laughs) point three. Oh, all right. Well, it's the second least they will make. And to be fair, Ant Man is called Ant Man. They had a very (laughs) uphill battle with that one. But yeah, this film generally is quite uh, a good window into them trying to adjust from the mega success of uh, the Avengers, because you know they're trying to find their feet, get a movie studio going, get some characters established do it as cheaply as possible while still making good stuff, trying to get good people in them. And now they've had their enormous hit, they had their second enormous hit, and they are now a company that when they drop trailers and when they release films, people are there day one. And this this film had its difficulties adjusting to that. It is directed by Alan Taylor, who is known for television, <laughs> Game of Thrones, Mad Men, Bulwark Empire, and many, many other things. Tim Deadpool Miller directed the opening scene with uh, Odin explaining the backstory of the Dark Elves. And don't you worry, I'll explain them in 20 seconds or less. <laughs> James Gunn directs the credits scene for obvious reasons, which we'll get to. Written by Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely, who are the Marvel Golden Boys, thanks to their work in Captain America. Uh, also written by Christopher Yost, who is part of a Marvel Film Writers program that they launched. i'd I wanted to try and find more information about this because I only know of two people that did it and one of them will be much more relevant in a few episodes' time, but he is part of that. He is a uh, writing partner of Craig Kyle. They are comic book writers and cartoon writers. They created X-23. Remember that cool girl from uh, from Logan who stabs everyone? Uh, and they wrote a ton of Marvel cartoons, most of which are pretty good. And he will go on to write Thor Ragnarok. So this sort of trio given what they are all capable of. It's quite shocking that this turns out the way it does, but that's that's to come. And Joss Whedon rewrote a few scenes for them in this movie. You will probably be able to guess which ones they are, but when they come up, I will mention them. So, you know, as I said, this has quite a... Uh, not controversial development, but essentially Marvel announced, I think at the premiere of Thor 1, that they were planning on taking Thor to crazy places after the Avengers. Kenneth Branagh out publicly as like hmm news to me they then officially announced it with Kevin Feige trying to walk back his sort of strong statements and a week after they announced that Kenneth Browner dropped out because uh, they wanted this thing to come out pretty quickly and well they went to Brian Kirk also Game of Thrones director also Boardwalk Empire television person he declined due to contract disputes they brought in Patty Jenkins who obviously won the Oscar for Monster Did she win it I I don't know. She did Monster. Patty Jenkins did Monster, but then she bounced and did TV for a while and had a family and stuff. So she was, you know, at this time, she was from the world of television. She will, of course, go on to do Wonder Woman, but she was on board for two months and then left because of creative uh, issues which caused Natalie Portman to attempt to walk out of the film, but they had her under contract, so they, they forced her to stay, which cannot have helped with the, her chances of ever appearing again. Who knows? They then considered Daniel Minahan, who has directed many HBO shows. Tom Hiddleston even made a uh, a joking offer to direct, and they politely said no. And then they settled on Alan Taylor. The most obvious thing to note about this is every single person... That was in consideration for this role was a television director, and it is a direction that Marvel will continue to take to some extent.
1: Yeah, like it's one of those things where like TV directors know how to get in, get out, and do stuff on a budget and cheaply. Yes, but the thing is.
0: And, it's and, weather... and to a deadline which is what comes to a deadline to and
1: it's whether, or, it's whether or not you prefer it being like TV directors to being like indie people who've got one movie under their belts being given the keys to massive franchises like you've got with um, Jurassic World being given to
0: Colin Trevorrow
1: Colin Trevorrow, yeah. Colin Trevorrow obviously just did this one tiny indie movie, and then he's got one of the biggest movies of all time under his belt. Yeah, and then he fucked um, his whole career
0: up, because it turned out <laughs> that all he had to do was tell Chris Pratt to be charismatic in the CGI dinosaurs, and he's
1: actually not a good filmmaker, but... <laughs> do you prefer like them to pick guys from TV, or do you prefer them to pick indie guys who are interesting and like, give them this boot oh. into...
0: Well, I think in both. Inter- I think in the past, if you said TV director, it's a negative. You know, you're throwing shade almost. Like uh, that line from Arrested Development: "You are a television actor." And Tobias <laughs> takes it so, so harshly. And you know, once upon a time that would have been an insult. But given the way TV has gone over the last sort of decade, decade and a half or more, where sort of culture has shifted more in that way, I think it is a, a, a good thing to. It, it depends what you've, what TV show you've done and what film you did because obviously james gunn is a film dude and he's crushed it for them but then they've gotten a hell of a lot of success out of those dudes that did Arrested development and community so yeah i don't know but this is not this does not pay off for them i get why well, they did it they they were working to a very tight deadline and i think this is just indicative of them trying to adjust to the avengers like shit these are a big deal now we've got so many more masters to answer to with you know sponsors you know new spotlight on them less time to be taken gotta keep the machine moving and I think this is just very much growing pains for Marvel evolving and you know they got bought by Disney and stuff so that that is an under sort of talked about point with all of this but they will eventually come out of this rough patch of stuff happening behind the scenes but it will get pretty dark because they're gonna lose the golden boy at some point oh yeah and they tossed out a script written by Don Payne and rewritten by Robert Roda, Rodat? Rodat?
1: rodar I don't know. In favour of their little uh, trio of dudes they love. Ben? I'm, I, am, I am intrigued whether or not, like, Marcus and McFeely got the script for Winter Soldier done before this, and then had to, like, they basically, like, we really like this Winter Soldier script, can you fix Thor for us? I would imagine so. I, like, I, I would imagine, I imagine. they dropped this
0: late, and... You know, because of everything they went through... I mean, they had it written before they started filming. It's not like an Iron Man situation where there's no script. But I feel that, to an extent, a lot had been decided and they're just trying to do what they can to salvage it.
1: No, definitely. It's It's interesting. Like, when you go to the next movie and the script is... Actually, really solid, and there's an understanding of these characters, and there's an understanding of the, all these new characters, and then there's this one which is just kind of.
0: Well, it's the character they wanted, it's the character they know, the character they like completely immersed themselves in. They were writing Winter Soldier pretty early because. I can't remember, I've got notes about it somewhere, but there was someone who was considered for the cast that. I, I don't know, but they were certainly writing it long before they did this, I think. Yeah. Then, yeah. Thor comics. We, we had a little uh, brief history of them up until Thor 1. They, you know, historically did very well. I think they went through a little bit of a down period and they got a nice little shot in the arm between Thor and Thor 2. Would you care to expand upon that? Yeah. Or just tell me I'm wrong, if you
1: want. Uh, no, uh, so we're uh, so around the time that Thor launched a little comic event called Fear Itself. Fear Itself. Oh, I like little, Fear Itself. The I mean, comic th- event Fear Itself happened. I yeah, think which... most people don't like it, but I do. Yeah, and um, From Fear itself, they kind of relaunched, or like Thor had just relaunched, but just beforehand, and uh, they launched a Loki comic in Journey Into Mystery, written by Ciaran Gillen, uh, drawn by an awful lot of people who I'm not going to list here, but if you're looking for the kind of... They realised that Loki was a big deal, and so they had a Loki comic running throughout the entire length of Thor One, Avengers, and Thor Two, uh, and so basically Journey to Mystery is this fantastic little closed-ended 30 issue mystery box of a thing. If you like Sandman, you'll probably like Journey to Mystery, and then at the end of Journey to Mystery, they kind of roll on to Young Avengers, which was ending around the same time that Thor Two came out. But probably, precisely if, nice if you like Loki, but if you like Thor himself, the big news is Jason Aaron begins his run on Thor with Thor, God of Thunder, with Esad Ribic. Which very is good. very very good. It's now currently uh, Jason Aaron, Russell Dalton, Matt Wilson doing Lady Thor, who is just Thor, but yeah. it's kind of it's kind of hard to talk about her. Because... It is. They call him Odinson. Uh,
0: I will. I don't know if it still is, but I think for a brief period of time, that entire Jason Aaron run was on like enormous sale. I think probably to do uh, coming out of Ragnarok, so it's probably not anymore. But even if it's not, you should pick it up because it's really yeah. fun and you can just run like, right
1: in. It's, yeah, it's a good, like, the first chunk is a good 25 issues and is all about Odinson, and then there's now, like, the Thor as a Woman stuff, which is really, 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 really good, and I think it's probably better than that kind of, like, first chunk of run. But for the time being, like, the stuff that immediately came before this was the kind of God Butcher arc that yeah. jumped off Jason Aaron's run, which is, if you're looking for pretty comics, this is definitely one to pick up because it's very, very, very good. Um, yeah, Esandrovich would then go on to do Secret Wars after this, so... Not not a slouch in the art department, is that man? No, not at all.
0: <laughs> Malakith, obviously plays a huge part in uh, in Jason Aaron's Thor stories.
1: I think they chucked him in because because of this movie. I think they said to him, "Sure, do you have do you have a Malkith story to do?" And he's like, "Yes, I do. I do have a Malekith story." He is yeah. the villain of this movie, so yes, I feel. That I will, I will also say, there. Kieran Gillen's Malkith story is also quite good. When he did Iron Man, which was an interesting mix of things, hmm. like basically the Mandarin's Ten Rings tying into Iron Man three possess <sighs> possess a load of people, but Malekith gets one of them. And so Malekith has one of the actual ten rings of the Mandarin, and
0: does Malekith turn out to be a, a, an actor, and then it, in the minds of many ruins the comic? Or
1: sadly, not. It's like, no, it's yeah. just it's just the whole idea of like Iron Man being made of iron, and iron is strong against the Fey, and of course those kind of things basic level one stuff
0: yeah okay so uh the film is it's set two years after the first one the bifrost has been rebuilt consequence
1: free marvel (laughs) what's the bifrost built by the time we got to avengers no no so how was thor getting how was thor getting to earth then
0: uh it took the last of odin's dark magics to send him Loki like, he the- says in that first film, do you really think there aren't other ways off? And like we see it in this one, there are other ways. It's just yeah, but in
1: this one, in this one, he says there's one way. Well, like, there's a very strong One way I'm willing to show chaos. you, in
0: case this doesn't work out for me and I need to do another escape. Let's yeah. not believe the words of Loki. Anyway, Bifrost has been rebuilt. Thor and his merry band of people are. Travelling around the Nine Realms, fighting for peace, irony there. And uh, Odin has forbidden him from seeing Jane's sad face. But she ends up discovering the Ether, which we will later find out is an Infinity Stone. This is the first movie to use that term. Very nice. Thor ignores his father's advice, brings her to Asgard because she's not well. Uh, and then Malekith and the Dark Elves attack because they want to take the Aether back and use it to bring darkness back to the universe. Nice and generic. And with a few other options, Thor has to team up with Loki to stop Malekith. They bro around, generic things happen, and they do indeed stop Malekith. The probably most noteworthy things to happen past them deciding to team up are Loki ends up on the throne looking like Odin, tricking everyone who knows if Odin is alive or dead. And in a post-credits scene, Lady Sif and Volstagg. Uh, yes. yes. I know which one it is visually, I just... Yeah. Uh, they, the Punisher. <laughs> the Punisher. <laughs> they, uh, Thomas Jane. They give the ether to The Collector, who we will see in a few films. Time. The most obvious talking point for this, I, there aren't a huge amount of things, that would prim- primarily just going to go down the cast, I think, is how messy this film is. It is part of a dark era, as I said, of behind-the-scenes controversies. It is them struggling to adapt. They cut so much out of this movie, either from the original script before they started filming, stuff like uh, Malakut's backstory and, and, and motivations and things like that, alan taylor said that they changed the film completely in post and he wouldn't have recommended it to anyone they did a ton of reshoots which made idris elba particularly quite unhappy but he will get unhappier in a couple of episodes time (laughs) loki wasn't even originally in this film he was put in it as a direct response to the avengers and then he showed up at comic-con in full loki costume and threatened the audience and it was absolutely magical but yeah there's a ton going on here in terms of just not letting the film be you know just so many changes last minute or on or, or otherwise and you can tell like it, it it's it's a messy film
1: yeah like it, it's interesting cuz like not all those changes are necessarily bad no. like Putting Loki in this movie is not a bad response to the Avengers. In fact, it's probably, like, the best thing they could have done. Like, imagine this movie without Tom Hiddleston.
0: Oh, it doesn't exist. <laughs> it <laughs> well, just... it does.
1: It's just, like, we're going to be talking about it in even worse terms than we are right now. Mm. Like, but what if that had led to Malacus being a
0: really well-motivated villain that we cared about? <sighs> yeah. At one point, Jane was going to be the third villain, because when she's infected by the ether. Uh, she was going to destroy Svartalheim, I think, so... Uh, no, but
1: that's even worse. If, that, if yeah. that's what if that's what they do, if Loki's not in the movie, then I'm I'm yeah. happy that Jane and Malekith don't get much plot development to them, because...
0: Yeah. Well, uh, I'm not happy Malekith doesn't, because I think that's one of no. the biggest things wrong with this film.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, yes, no, 100%, but, like, if if the options are the Marvel Cinematic Universe like actually creating a lasting villain who is interesting and I want to see more of versus this one-off villain who's going to die, then I'm going to choose the one who's actually going to have lasting repercussions across the entire universe. Like, I wish we could have both, but I feel like it is very much like, hey, you can have one or you can have the other. And I'd rather have Tom Hilderson, who's done four movies worth of great work so far. Yeah, and uh, he is
0: one of the strongest... Well, (laughs) easily one of the strongest things in this film. So with Alan Taylor... I I get why they did this. Not just got a TV person, but they they specifically went after two different Game of Thrones people. And obviously that is a show that uses a lot of real-world locations, likes to go to Iceland and Ireland and and all these places. and, And... he talked about how Kenneth Branagh's Asgard was very pretty and clean, and he wanted to make it more Viking-inspired, a bit grittier, use more real-world locations. And I, I agree with him there. I don't, I didn't like how incredibly CG Asgard was in the first one. And here they, they do use all these aerial shots, and then they CG Asgard onto the top of it and stuff like that. And like the early scenes in um, Vanaheim, places like that, I was like, oh, okay, this is going to be cool. But then it just kind of all falls by the wayside. And one of the things they choose to do with this this new look is fill it with dull Star Wars style battles with lasers and little flying ships and stuff. And it, if you'd written a really fun scene with that, I would have liked it. But
1: it just I don't know. It doesn't pay off in my opinion. Yeah, it's it's weird because it's like this is the movie that like, oh we're going to finally flesh out the other nine realms. Mm. And when you think of it, like we still only go to Midgard, we still only go to Asgard. There's a little bit on. Um, Svartalheim, the tiniest amount where they literally appear there for two seconds and pick up the giant dog monster from the first movie. Jotunheim. Go. Oh, that's Jotunheim. Yeah. That's Jotunheim. Yeah. yeah, well, they pick up the dog monster from Jotunheim, and then, like, what Svartalheim is the is the Destroy. dark elf place, yeah. yeah. And which is just a Detroit wasteland. Is in, is yeah, so it's just all. the
0: city of Detroit. And Vanaheim, very briefly, which is where Hogan is from. And they yeah. just tell him to stay there, because he's got nothing else to do for the rest of the film, except look up.
1: Yeah, I see some jets. And it's Because yeah. the Nine Realms are an inherently interesting idea, and yeah. it feels like both this movie and the one that come after it kind of skip over the idea of like jumping around and having fun with this kind of Norse mythology. Hmm. Like this movie threatens to do it. And then we keep on going back to the same kind of drib drab, awful locations that they've chosen for this movie. And then Thor Ragnarok we open and Thor has done his magical journey across these universes And so we never really get to experience, like, the actual Norse mythology of it all, and I would have loved to have seen them, like, just do something with it, but I can't tell if it was a money-saving thing, or if it was just, we need to base it on Earth so that people feel they've got some kind of emotional connection to what's going on, and, like, we wouldn't feel emotionally connected if it's not set on Earth with Earthlings. Yeah.
0: So I mentioned Vanahein uh, that I mentioned earlier as well about Joss Whedon how you could probably spot the scenes he did. Thor's little fight with a uh, Cronin rock monster. That was written by Joss Whedon, the whole I accept your surrender and he just kills him in one hit and all that. Good fun stuff there and of course we will see these rock monsters return in Thor later. There's allegedly a Corbinite, which is
1: Beta Ray Bill's race somewhere in that scene. I didn't bother to watch it slowly enough to tell. Don't, don't look out for horse faces, because Beta Ray Bill's the exception, because he got that from being a genetic experiment. Gotcha.
0: See, there you go. This is what, this is what Ben's here for. If you don't know who Beta Ray Bill is, and you've probably just heard the last 30 seconds and gone, oh my god, these nerds, and just turned this <laughs> off. But, you know, that's what we're here for. The only other thing I really want to talk about that isn't directly tied to a character... Is the convergence stuff, the the gravity effects, which is where I feel that they thought they were. You know, this is the thing for this movie. You know, this is this is our money shot. This is what we're going to put in the trailers. This is what they'll be talking about forever. This is what our, you know, uh, final fight hinges on. It all all centres around this. And it is fun in places. You know, the stuff with the huge truck that's kind of floating, the kids kind of making a little arrangement of shipping containers, uh, you know, dropping objects that end up in a cave in Svartalheim later. That's all good fun. But I don't know if maybe like a better fight had been attached to this effect near the end, it would have come off better. But I don't think this is enough to make this film like
1: something that stands the
0: test of time.
1: So much of it is forgettable yeah. and generic and, like, there's no emotional weight to anything that's going on apart from when Thor and Loki are talking but you can tell that Thor and Loki isn't the point of this movie, so Loki has to be brushed off to the side for the last third of the movie. Yeah, like, so much of it is just kind of empty and yeah. vacuous and you don't particularly care about anything that's going on and yes, there are moments of levity that make you go like, oh god, I wish I wish you were more like this and then immediately goes back to oh look there's nine discs in the sky let's blow up the universe
0: yeah you know there's fun stuff with them like tumbling like portal physics type stuff with like the monster from Jotunheim and uh them tumbling through one portal to fall out onto another and then Mjolnir trying to catch up with them but and it does it does of course lead to the immortal meow meow (laughs) like Which you said you
1: watched with subtitles on to see what they subtitled it as.
0: <laughs> it's a Mew Mew, <laughs> M-E-W, M-E-W, which is incorrect, I'm afraid. Uh, that is not what Kat Downing says. We will be talking about her soon, uh, one of the few bright spots of this movie. So let's go down the cast. Chris Hemsworth is back as Thor. He is immediately so much more comfortable in this role than he was the first time. He grew his hair out so the wig doesn't look awful. They left his eyebrows alone. So that's that's good stuff. I just think doing Avengers and getting to get some acting and chemistry with, uh, with Loki and Odin in the first movie has helped him so much because he is so, 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 so comfortable here. And I don't think he really has a bad scene in here. He's, he's not really doing anything that's, like, blow away, but you're happy to be seeing him.
1: Yeah, he's very much... It's one of those things where, like, having your acting debut, really, in a feature film with like opposite Tom Hiddleston Anthony Hopkins and Natalie Portman in the first one isn't exactly going to leave you struggling because all three of them are like really really good actors yeah uh, and then getting to do Avengers with i mean how many oscar nominees are there in Avengers yeah, like definitely. there's there's, a, there's an awful lot of people there who are like really strong actors and they're just having fun and so and I, I think
0: God, getting to like to like speak Joss Whedon's words as well and uh, do scenes in a Joss Whedony way I I would imagine that really helped him sort of get a better sense for this character because it does feel like a continuation of that the dialogue isn't as strong but it does feel more like that than it does Thor 1
1: yeah like there's a lot of the kind of faux Shakespearean stuff is gone in this one and it is very much like that the, it's not quite as quippy as it will become but there is still very much that kind of idea of them talking like real people mm. rather than talking like hyper-extended, like, Odin's the only one who really is kind of, like, speaking in these decla- <laughs> declarative statements, rather <Robin>. uh,
0: <laughs> More Shakespeare!
1: But, I mean, I, Od- Odin is the weird one for me here, yeah, if you want yeah. to move on to Anthony yeah, Hopkins. Yeah, sure,
0: Anthony Hopkins seems like he's in a race to get his dinner out of the oven or something, because every goddamn line he reads, he is tearing through, uh, and it just, he doesn't seem like he wants to be there, and he probably doesn't, but he's there, and yeah. uh, he's angry. <laughs>
1: He's he's angry the entire movie. Like the only time he's not angry is at the very end when he isn't Odin anymore.
0: <laughs> true. That should have been the giveaway. Hey, you <laughs> seem to have mellowed out. You smoked some weed? Okay,
1: cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's just it's just every single scene he's in. It feels like a completely different character from what we get in Thor. Like, yes, the last time he saw Loki he did try and set up his murder, which he then thwarted. Yeah. But he's angrier like,
0: now j- than he was then.
1: Yeah, like the, the anger he feels towards Loki, and like he's like disowning him, and you're not my son, and yeah, you, like, were to, you were supposed to, you were supposed to die as a child, and yeah, it's just Loki like says
0: it's my birthright, he says your birthright was to die as a child, <laughs> and I was like, oh my god, which is all completely against what he was trying to say to Loki when they had their admittedly tense argument in the first film, but it was all a message of, you know, we raised you, like you're our kid. And everything. And it's just now he's just like, I fucking hate you. I always hated you. I always wanted you to die. It's Frigga that made me, you know. (laughs) It's like, and then he's... The whole stuff with him, like, hating Jane and hating Midgard and all that, that's in keeping with the comic iteration. He's frequently quite an angry man. Thor frequently is very much at odds with him. But it is a dramatic turnabout of, from what they were doing last time.
1: Yeah, like, he was kind of more the kindly father figure than he was the kind of vengeful rage raging god that he like it's again it is as you said close to the comic book version but this isn't what the character was being set up as yeah. and i can't tell what changed here or whether or not it was just like we need yeah. anthony hopkins to play more than kindly father figure in this one because otherwise he would let thor go back to earth they're right they're writing to what they want the plot to do rather than what the character would do
0: yeah you either have to commit to your decisions. Or you need to do something to demonstrate a change in behavior, like something that occurred on Earth years ago. Like maybe they visited when they were kid. I don't know. Something that like yeah. justifies this massive turnabout in behavior, because you know it's not like he's like ah oh, go to Earth save them all in the first one, but he's not like this.
1: Yeah, and again, like it's they go they revert back to the kind of Thor one personality in the next movie. So uh, this is just a weird aberration of the character that. Yeah. Like, he's almost completely forgettable. Like there are times where I come back to this movie and I'm just like, Oh, was Anthony Hopkins doing anything there that's interesting because like I don't know, he just like, he's so forgettable that yeah, Like the the only thing the only thing I f- remember of it is oh they need to wrap up this cliffhanger ending for the character. Yeah, true, true. I do like both of his sons calling
0: him on his sort of warmongering bullshit though. Like uh he says he's gonna you know yeah. Go out there and do this, and he's like, "How are you different from Malekith?" And he laughs at him and goes, "I will win." And it's like, "Oh, okay, jeez, man." And Loki's saying, "You know, know, yeah, that's exactly what you did. I, that's that's a fun beat to play." But Anthony Hopkins gets to pretty much get away with it. He just walks off from them when they when they call him on it. So
1: yeah. I think it's in the last movie he didn't want to go to war. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. He was he was telling Thor he was t- teaching Thor a lesson for being rash and
0: too quick to. Well, we'll talk about Odin and his war next... Uh, well, not next time. Next time in this franchise. but uh, Natalie Portman, I guess. As I said, she wanted to quit the film. And uh, I don't think she was having a good time. I actually think she might overall you know i i ate my words a bit i was like oh she's always been bad and then i watched that first one and
1: i was like oh she's she's not bad I actually don't think she's bad here either it's just no uh... like she's she's fine like this is the kind of thing that she can do in her sleep she is she is two time oscar nominated actress Also oh, uh well she won for black swan and then jackie she's great in jackie so she 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 can be a female lead in this and in this she's the romantic lead which doesn't play to her strengths but she can yeah. do it just fine. Like- well,
0: yeah, I mean, most famously, the best kiss these two characters have ever had is at the the end credit scene where Natalie Portman wasn't available. I think she was either pregnant or or filming something i don't know and chris Hemsworth's wife stood in wearing a wig only shot from behind and uh, they kiss and it's like ah well that's that's good there uh, natalie portman is throwing real slaps and real uh, real shots at both these characters and that's fun i think i think she had to slap them pretendies a lot of times and then it wasn't working and then she absolutely fucking nailed chris Hemsworth in the face and uh yeah good 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 stuff i guess it's just I don't know something something about all this. I will say like the scenes where Thor's like wearing his big cloak and and just sort of walking around Asgard with her. He's very dreamy there. Tom Hiddleston is amazing still. Ah, oh, so much. Um, the, <laughs> the big thing is he's in a jail cell and you know from from what happens in the Avengers we see him sort of pacing around, throwing a cup up and down. You know, a bit bored. There's a very nice touch where uh, when the Dark Elves attack, they let everyone out of their cells, but they leave Loki in his. It's a nice little villainy, you know, Oh, he's dangerous then. But the big thing with these prison cells. So Frigga comes to visit him, and he tries his best to be like, yeah, I don't care about you, you're not my mother. When, you know, he's always been so, like, ah, he's not my dad, but he beats her a bit differently. And she's like, oh, lol, you're easy to see through. And then when she dies, spoilers, And Thor goes to visit him. And he says, enough illusions. And he drops the glamour and... The, the man in the full costume we've seen from the previous two appearances, uh, that costume is gone. He is sitting in the corner in rags. He is a mess. He looks unwell. He looks unslept. The room is, like, completely fucked. Oh, because we see that as well, where he sort of... When he learns that she's dead, he turns around and he sort of silently moves everything in the room with his powers.
1: He just throws it all on the floor. He like, does, it, yeah. And just that is... It's such a wonderful, like little body movement yeah. and then like nothing goes far but you no. can just tell it's all like everything goes back and like hits the walls and yeah, stuff like that yeah, and you yeah. just like oh, like you're trying to hold it back a little bit there but yeah. you can't yeah it's, yeah it's a nice it's a very
0: thing. nice character moment from one of the best characters they have and when that illusion drops and you see he's a fucking wreck because his mother has died that's one of the best things that Marvel have ever done and it is when I, I either forget this movie completely or my mind goes straight to this scene and forgets every other
1: thing that happened except meow, meow. <laughs> uh, he's great. He's he's phenomenal. There's no bad things to say about him. Like, he's... Of the people that kind of get to come back, he's the one who I feel is the most comfortable in this role. Yeah. Like, apart apart from, like, the lead actors who will get titles in movies and stuff like that, he is the one who, when he shows back up, it's like, oh, okay, he's ready. Idris Elba is fine, <laughs> but, like... He never quite embodies the role in the same way that, like, at this point, Tom Hiddleston is Loki. And it makes you glad that Marvel realised what they had in him. And that they have gone back to that world as often as they have. But they've not gone back so often as to make you feel like, really, again? Like, and I, th- I-, I think
0: he's happy to play him and it, it shows. And-, and he's not, like, embarrassed and trying to get away from it or anything like that. I think he's aware that he can't just constantly show up and the time will come where he just stops being there. Maybe in Infinity War, who knows? But for a while we've had him, he has always seemed enthusiastic and willing to throw himself into it. Uh, We get a wonderful scene where uh, Thor breaks him out of prison and he uses his little illusion powers. First, he uh, disguises himself as an Asgardian god. Asgard god. Uh, Then he makes himself look normal and Thor look like Sif. And then he makes himself look like Captain America and it's Chris Evans' came in and the the way I I understand it Tom Hiddleston wore the suit and did an impression of Captain America while Chris Evans watched and then Chris Evans did an impression of that impression (laughs) and uh he said it's basically everything he tried not to do in Captain America 1 is he's talking about let's have
1: rousing discussions about truth and stuff like that
0: <laughs> it's amazing and it's written by Joss Whedon shockingly so
1: <laughs> is, this, is this the last of our Joss Whedon cameos in the movie? I think
0: he did something in the London battle at the end but I don't know what okay. it is but yeah it's it's head and shoulders above everything and it, it feels like it would be right at home in Thor Ragnarok and that's the thing there, there are multiple moments in this movie where you can see kind of the seeding of where they're going to take it And it just... I feel just other things get in the way of it being that fun. Like it's not. It's not to say Taika Waititi came in and single-handedly completely changed everything about Thor. Like clearly the dudes writing this want. They have a slight inclination to go there, and he just let it loose. I think.
1: Yeah, like I I think, and I think it's a clever decision because I do think the things that worked in both Thor and Thor Two are the sibling relationship, and like I do think the both movies are really quite funny, and I think that Kevin Feige and his team are smart enough to realise that and so when you're looking for a director let's go for someone who's more comedic but someone who can also kind of nail that drama and I I don't don't understand where in Watiti's back catalogue they looked and said like this this is the guy we want to direct Thor 3 but I'm so glad they did because what we do in the shadows obviously I love World of people, and I love what we do in the shadows. But like neither of them scream to me. No, it's stunning. Angsty, angsty Tom Hiddleston (laughs) sibling drama.
0: Yeah, we get them bickering here during the escape and uh, just constantly taking shots at Thor while he's trying to pilot this craft and the Warriors Three saying, "If you betray him, I will kill you," like one by one kind of thing. That's that's all good fun, and he ends up. Yeah, like
1: that. That escape is like the most fun that we get on asgard really everything else is kind of like very dour and down and then there's this kind of like oh we'll have a bit of fun with this with some like the ships aren't interesting what's happening around them isn't interesting but the character dynamics are and it makes you want more of them and it's sad that like the warriors three get sidelined after this as well And it's just like could odin not just send them down to help in the (laughs) final battle like so we could have some of this but no it's Thor on his own with his merry band of human friends, and it's just definitely
0: you 100% buy the betrayal when uh, because they concoct this not amazing plan, it must (laughs) be said, uh, where you know they are going to confront Malekith, hoping he will draw the ether out of Jane, and then Thor can destroy it. To sort of lull them into a sense of security. The second he lets Loki out of handcuffs, Loki stabs him and then he cuts off his hand. This is all revealed to be an illusion, but you buy it. Like, I 100% thought out, oh, obviously, this is what happens. Uh, and then you get the sh- quite shocking reveal that he not only is on board with the plan after all, but he twice saves Jane. Yeah. It's a bit strange. I think they may have played that beat a little bit too far, but, it, you know, it's fun. It's different. Idris Elba is back. He's already annoyed that he's having to do reshoots. He's doing a bit more. He's a bit better, but nothing to write home about at all. He gets that one
1: good line delivery.
0: Yes, you know, I'm here to report treason who? Me? That yeah. That, you know. yeah. Whatever. Uh, Kat Dennings besides <laughs> besides the Odinson's or the Odinson and the Laufysen, uh she is the best thing in this film. She is so necessary to stop this collapsing under self-seriousness. The date scene with Chris O'Dowell doing a cameo is great where she sort of shows up and she's all like, you're wearing lady clothes, you smell good and all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. Do, you, do you think this was basically her just going like oh thank god I've actually got some funny things to do after my day job of two broke girls
0: (laughs) oh shots
1: at the writing staff of two broke girls oh they know they know they're terrible on that show like she's a lot of fun Uh, she is i mean kat dennings is good i like kat dennings i remember really enjoying uh her like 40 year old virgin and nick and nora's infinite playlist ah, we can debate whether or not nick and nora's a good movie but like i liked her in it
0: like i can't debate that because it's categorically good anyway
1: uh... (laughs) (laughs) i knew you would be on the side
0: it's It is what it is. Stuff with the intern and and meow, meow. And I said to you while we were watching this separately, I don't want to give the impression we live together and just Skype for no reason. I was quite pleasantly surprised that they give her something to do when Jane and Thor are off planet i would 100% have expected when these two aren't here you don't exist you'd be quiet until they come back to earth but they cut away and and she's out like getting eric selvig out of the nut house and all that so you know
1: cool they, yeah. they do things i mean it's not the most interesting of like subplots but no. it is something it's something to do <laughs> yeah. and she says mia mia then like, she, does, she does say mia mia and like it's, it's nice that they got like Selvig back as well because yes. again it like for some reason it makes the Thor side of this universe feel way more fleshed out than an awful lot of these other ones because yeah. like captain america's had its entire universe wiped out at this point so <laughs> the next movie has to like literally build it back up from the ground and, it, and... it's built
0: off shield which basically comes from the avengers so. yeah
1: so it's, it's, it's interesting but like this is the one where like Selvig has appeared in like apart from again apart from someone who's like the lead in one of these movies probably been the most movies in the franchise <laughs> yeah because he's got we've got to discuss him at least once more I am stunned that they got him to be naked running around Stonehenge.
0: And of <laughs> his esteem, maybe he enjoyed it. I don't know. He said he was very nervous about doing it. But they pointed out you did some really weird shit in an uh, Nymphomaniac. So <laughs> you should just go run around Stonehenge naked. I don't know. It's kind of fun, like, him... <laughs> realising, oh, the world is mental, I'm not insane after
1: all. Again, like, the the god inside his headline, and, like, just very matter-of-fact reactions to Avengers. Like, that's, again, another undercurrent of this movie I like is the reaction to what happened in Avengers. Like, it's not brought up a lot, but, like, the like, oh, I'll be one of your friends and Loki turning into Captain America and <laughs> Selvig, Selvig actually having um, like mental repercussions from, from it, maybe not quite as serious as Tony Stark's. No, true, um, true. That's but true. Like it we are on a two-movie
0: streak of, of things mattering from the Avengers.
1: Yeah, like not not things that like mattered from the movie before then. Like the Bifrost is still magically <laughs> fixed now, and there's not really much. Well, made they of built
0: it. it in the first place. it's not impossible they could rebuild it, but they did in say, two years. You'll and never built the magical... see her again, and all that. So yeah,
1: it's 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 weird, but like again, I, I like that Avengers happened, and it feels like it has weight in this world. Like when. Jane slaps Loki, it's for New York. It's not for, like, what she did to, to her, or to or what he did to her, or what happened yeah. in Thor 1. It's the many, many people who presumably died during the attack on New York, which yes. is, again, it's a nice real-world moment.
0: Pales in comparison to those that Odin killed. Jeremy Alexander back as Lady Sif. The Warriors 3 are back, most notably, Zachary Levy is back to play. Fandral, because uh, Joshua Dallas was busy with Once Upon a Time yeah. When Zachary Levy was busy in the first place... Oh, it's all just come full circle. Um, I know. Jamie does ever so slightly more, but nowhere near enough. She slipped on rain on a metal staircase and really fucked up her back, making this and missed a month of filming. Thanks for being a trooper with that. Wish you had more to do. Uh, The Warriors 3 kind of, as you said, just vanish. They let Zachary Levy be a little bit, you know, stand out more because... He
1: didn't get to do anything in the first one Yeah, he really
0: he's a wasn't big, there. Yeah, and he's, a, he's kind of a well known face, I guess, for yeah, such a small was, role. He was, um, on, he was entangled.
1: <laughs> that, that's why, yeah,
0: that's why. I mean, they're here. I wish they contributed past the escape, but,
1: you know, they're around. They try- Yeah, like they've got they've got all these actors who are like none of the people they'd cast are bad actors no, but not all. they just don't give them anything to do yeah. it's like the it's opposite stunningly. of
0: Captain America where they've got a huge cast and everyone's doing stuff this is yeah, yeah. an equally large if not larger cast but so many of them are doing fuck all
1: again like Jamie Alexander gets more to do in her two Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episodes than she does in
0: and they, she does they, in this. they play up the you know the romance angle with Thor but she is you know swept aside for Jane and Again, hopefully they bring her back as just a you know thank you. We respect you for being in these movies, but sh- her
1: character has been absolutely replaced by Valkyrie. Thanks, to Ragnarok. Yeah, but it's it's just one of those things where like they haven't killed her off because she was busy doing a TV show. Because again, all all these movies have to have someone who isn't available because of a TV show. Yeah, true. So yeah. Uh, they just didn't re- they just didn't bring her back at all, and so presumably Sif's out there somewhere
0: oh yeah definitely
1: being, being fine
0: yeah definitely renee Rousseau doing significantly more than the first one but that isn't to say much because she's still not doing much other than dying and having a quick fight scene and a nice little uh, interaction with loki
1: i love it when my movies refrigerate people <laughs>
0: yes uh we get a somewhat pretty funeral scene if not for the way that chris hemsworth and tom henderson react to her death this would be one of the more meaningless deaths that the Marvel have done because they don't like killing people anyway, and if they do, they bring them back. But you know, thanks to the lads, this is this is saved from being completely pointless. But I wish she'd done more in the first film to make
1: me yeah, give a shit that like, she's dead. All she does is just kind of like, oh, look, Odin's asleep. You yeah. two, you two, make up or like be Boys. nice to your brother. I will uh, turn this cosmic plane around. Yeah, it's just, I mean, like, you build up this emotional moment, and then you don't give the person who, in moment, it should be, anything, and you just deprive her of agency, and mm-hmm. yes, Hemsworth didn't... Hiddleston are good in the reaction, but it's still just kind of like
0: it reverts her to an object as well.
1: <laughs> yeah, again, it's 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 problematic, but like the movie's so dull, but I almost don't care that yeah. it does this. That's, that's probably more damning: is that like the fact that the movie does this doesn't make me angry because I can't rise above like a level of like, eh, for it. Yes,
0: Christopher Eccleston, who is a good actor, I might I might point out, is Malekith the Dark Elf. Mads Mikkelsen was in talks had to do Hannibal will eventually join the MCU. We'll do that in several episodes'
1: time. Another TV person who can't do it. <laughs>
0: yeah, I know. This the, the Thor franchise is cursed. He has admitted that he took this role for the money and he hated doing it. An enormous amount of prosthetics and makeup required. He is speaking Elvish, which is slightly adapted from Finnish and was hard to learn, and it's impressive that they did this, but the most boring villain they've done and you know they did oh what's his name Cross in in Ant-Man yes yeah and that dude's boring as fuck but Christopher Eccleston's uh, Malakith is even more boring than that they robbed him of an allegedly cool backstory with like the Asgardians killing his wife and children or something and what we're left with is I want to make the universe dark again, and...
1: uh, I want to kill everything, because my my world got destroyed, and uh, I've never heard of, like, relocating, and...
0: What is joy? I don't
1: know. Do you think he hated doing this more, or or G.I. Joe? Um... G.I. Joe was probably easier, so probably this. <laughs> yeah, like, he had less prosthetic makeup in G.I. Joe, yeah. but still, he's like, on, on the Erickson. posters. His name isn't on them, though. It's
0: like, what are we doing here? But yeah, what like, a waste
1: is, of Christopher Eccleston. Like. Such, such a waste of Christopher Eccleston. Like, I
0: also feel he shouldn't have spoken English. Like, either commit to your elf bullshit or don't. <laughs> yeah. Don't it's
1: know. just, it's like, I feel like Christopher Eccleston can be an imposing villain. I see why you would cast him to do this, mm. but. If I think of, like, the roles which I enjoy them the most in, there's, like, a level of, like, joy yeah. in all of them. Like, the Doctor, like, he is smiling and happy for most of it. And yes, he can go angry, but like, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't watch Doctor Who and go, ah, yes, let's put this guy in a white mask and just yeah. not do anything I do him. like the
0: masks. I'm into that whole aesthetic. But that's all they are is an aesthetic. And there's just nothing. There's just nothing. And, like, his fight with Thor, oh, awful. awful, awful stuff. Adewale okay. Akanoe Agbaje give me points uh, he is barely in this film he plays uh, the cursed the cursed I don't know how you're supposed to pronounce that I just got with cursed but it's spelled with a K barely in this film Taylor like said that he was they tried to get stuntmen to do things and he didn't move the same way as Adewale did so he ends up doing a lot of his own stuff there is some CG involved but he is wearing a very massive uh, prosthetic costume and Yeah, sucks, man. Like, what what a waste of two actors
1: as these villains. Yeah, Yeah, like, because Adwali gets to do two scenes without makeup on, and then he's just in a suit being the heavy for the rest of it. Yeah. And he's just a a bull
0: monster who yeah. does some fighting and sort of loses to Thor in his first fight. So it's like, oh
1: well, all right, cool. <laughs> he also gets he gets to deflect the hammer though, which is like yeah, the, the laziest shorthand that you can have for like, oh look, this guy's powerful. What do you oh, do to okay. prove
0: people are powerful? You have them like shrug off the hammer and you have them break cap shield. That is what comics
1: have taught us. The grades are cool. Like, then the, the my favorite thing about the dark elves is the fact that like, I mean, it's it's dumb and it's just an effect but i just like the kind of like oh look they just throw a black hole at people like <laughs> it's like... a good way to go
0: malekith he he should just be like a creepy fun little dude like not this just yeah emotional having... it feels like they tried to take like a bad beat from lord of the rings or something where the elves are supposed to be a little bit more like uppity or something i don't know but
1: it's, it's bad. thing is, I can see a world where, like, when you've got Loki's the trickster god, having Malekith, yeah, who is absolutely. The, very similar in terms of, like, what he does. Like, Malekith is kind of more in the Joker vein than Loki is. Like, Loki's doing it just to kind of, like, sow a little bit of chaos, but, like, he's not really, like...
0: Yeah, and, like, to further an agenda, to conquer, to do this and that. Like, Malekith is just a creepy little fuck who just likes to be be the worst
1: yeah but like he doesn't he, they don't do anything like he's just oh look there's, the world's being destroyed and it's like no like why aren't you doing magic and like fucking people up in like weird and like kind of monstrous ways and stuff like that just, like
0: just standing stoic and, and having no motivation and no reason to be cared about so cameos we've got Stanley as a mental patient I'm struggling to talk about Stanley anymore because they go back and forth with these real-life events where it's like, oh, I hate you now. Oh, you're in hospital. Now I feel bad for you. So I'm just not going to talk about Stanley. Chris O'Dowd is Jane's date. Fun, good person to go for there. Chris Evans, as I said, crushes it in one scene. Uh, Tony Coran is Boar. Clive Russell is Tear. Notably, though, uh, Benicio Del Toro and Ophelia Loverbond as the collector and his assistant. As I said, the first time the words Infinity Stone are used... They, they they establish canonically the Tesseract is in Odin's vault and that you shouldn't keep two of them near each other. The collector likes to collect things though, so obviously he's all like one down five to go. So yeah, they they are sowing some seeds for their big long term plan starting from now. And they will retroactively put them into older films as well. Uh but this is kind of like
1: the most important reason for this film to exist in
0: some ways. <laughs>
1: Yeah, like I've had I've had discussion of people being like, Oh, let's rewatch all the Marvel movies and I'm just like that's by the time Infinity War comes out, that's eighteen films. Mm-hmm. Like you have to watch six of them in like a session for that to be like a thing you'd actually want to do with your life. <laughs> so like the idea is like do an Infinity War rewatch or Infinity Stone rewatch and it's just oh god, really? Like the movies that have Infinity Stones in <laughs> them are Thor One, Cap One, Avengers, Thor the Dark World. Yeah. So we're ready with we skipped. One really good movie in the middle here. We skipped yeah. the first. We the first Iron Man. I think we skipped like Gone Ga- to Galaxy. Avengers. Doctor Strange, and then presumably Black Panther. Mm. Maybe you can chuck in Civil War and Thor, Ragnar- uh, Thor Ragnarok in there because there are Infinity Stones in those movies. But like, kind of, <laughs> kind of. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, you have to watch. You have to watch some pretty bad movies if you want to do an Infinity Stone rewatch because it yeah. feels like it feels like it's that kind of thing they throw in to be like, oh, this one's important because. Mm it ties into the overall plot a little bit more yeah.
0: and the ether is a weird one too because it's i mean when when thor temporarily destroys it you see shards coming back together and allegedly there is a stone in amongst all that goopy mess but it, it doesn't resemble any of the others but i'm okay with that i think it's going to be the reality stone so it's sort of changing everything around itself so fair enough but we will talk about the collector in a while So it's time to do our sort of final assessment of this movie. The common criticisms leveled at superhero movies are that the villain sucks, so we do a a thing villain watch. This is the worst offender in the franchise. This is exactly what people are talking about and thinking about when they make this criticism. The villains are non-entities. There's no backstory. There's no motivation. They are vaguely cool looking. And there's an awful final fight. Like, this
1: is textbook what not to do. Yeah, and this, this is, like, I think we're in a bad stretch now for these kind of final villains. Like, mm. I think Winter Soldier is, like, briefly better, but, like, we're very much in the stage of Mandarin into this, into Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, we get three villains that are all all function in very similar ways, all played by good actors, but, mm. like, they're just... Nothing like there's nothing to them really that makes them interesting.
0: I assume and, um, you meant Aldrich Killian and not the Mandarin because there is <laughs> so much to that character, but yeah,
1: no, because they <laughs> literally say he's the Mandarin. Okay, true, in that movie. he does say I'm the Mandarin. Yeah, all right, fine.
0: Yeah, it, it's a bad, 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 bad time. Uh, this is. Yeah, you know, this is a this is a dark era for them in some ways that they will briefly be rescued from and then sort
1: of plunge back into in some ways. But yeah, it's it's weird because like the next two movies get over the fact that their lead villains aren't like the most interesting part of their movies. Winter Soldier gets by on casting one of the biggest movie stars. Of all time, (laughs) like someone you would never expect to be in one of these movies in in his role, and that kind of like carries it through. But so many of these movies like rise above the fact that their their villains aren't interesting, and then this one just kind of just trips over itself like repeatedly, and it can't get over the fact that the villain isn't interesting, and because there's nothing else here really.
0: There's not at all. There's not enough drama. There's not enough comedy, and you know, there's they've hung their hat on these cool gravity effects, but then when it's time to actually execute that and do a big final fight which, you know, let's talk about the third act uh, they, they say that, you know, all these superhero movies have bad third acts, or a lot of them do uh, this is real bad, the the, the big fight in Greenwich uh, just CG nonsense and then Thor just wins like, it's not it's not tense, it's not cool it's not fun
1: <laughs> Yeah, like, it could be fun because it's like, oh, they're travelling to different universes yeah. and, like, there's, a, there's the seed of a good idea there but, like, what we should be getting is, like, weird freaky landscapes when they jump through these things but instead we just go back to the same desolated world that we go to before we go and it's nighttime in almost all of them or it's a yeah. forest
0: yeah like i know svafelheim is, is literally the dark world but it's very dark and then they go to jotunheim which is very
1: dark <laughs> yeah like, and like God. we get two seconds on vanaheim and why are we going to musselheim like We're where's well, my well. where's my fire
0: world we will we will so those two huge knocks against the genre are incredibly evident here. So this 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 is the one you want to beat over the head and use as a scapegoat if you want to sort of level these criticisms.
1: We're kind of at a point now where it's like, my bottom three, mm. we've watched all my bottom three now, and they're all so interchangeable because they all fall down in very similar ways. Like Iron Man 2, Thor The Dark World, and Incredible Hulk, all, they're just really not anything to write home about. No,
0: there's, nothing, and and then, there's no, like, signature, oh, remember that cool thing in that? There's one moment, and there's one line, and
1: that's it. Yeah. That's not but enough. Like, and, <laughs> yeah, they're all interchangeable. Like, I wouldn't say any of them are, like, bad in the same way that, like, the DC movies are bad. Like <laughs> Like, there's nothing in these movies that makes me angry. There's nothing in them that feels like it's spits in the face of, like, tradition and stuff like that. They're just so thoroughly mediocre i just rather forget them. Yeah, it's boring, which which is worse than that. See, but, like, the thing is, like, I can sit through these. Yeah, This this is
0: is easy. This is the shortest one because it's got longer credits than Incredible Hulk had and it has two, sort of, mid-credit end-credit scenes. So it's... The actual film is the shortest one they've ever made, I believe. And... For that reason, I'd probably not put it right at the bottom, and the stuff that Loki does, but it's it's way down there. And if anyone said this is the worst one, I'm probably not gonna fight you about it. After assessing this film, is there anyone who individually rises above and joins ARCA, the all-Marvel team, which so far is Robert Downey Jr., Sam Rockwell, Hayley Atwell, Tom Hiddleston, Mark Ruffalo, Scarlett Johansson, and Ben Kingsley? For me, the only real nominee is Tom Hiddleston, is he better than he is in the Avengers? Um, I, I think. think he's than... I don't think, think, he's think he gets than... a couple of than... moments that are incredible, but the overall performance, the consistency, the amount he's on the screen, not having to anchor it as much—I think all of that goes in favor of the Avengers.
1: Yes, I think. I think he's better in the Avengers, but like we didn't choose him for the Avengers, so. Well, I, is he is let's, he better us say we is? have? No, let's say is, we have. Let's is take he away better than this his... than Thor?
0: I think he might be better in this than he is in
1: Thor One. but... I think he is. I think he is because I think in Thor One he is separated from Thor for most of it. When when he's with Thor, like he's kind of coming to terms with himself. Yeah. Whereas in this one, like when they're together, there's banter and bickering and yeah. actual chemistry between the two of them, which I think makes it they're both more comfortable and they're both more comfortable with each other yeah. and. Yes there's a little bit of the two of them together in Avengers but Avengers is so much about Loki interacting with the entire team and yeah. there's kind of only really two key Thor Loki moments which is like their first conversation on the hilltop and then there's that final one just before the final fight kicks off and
0: in the uh, in the glass
1: oh yeah and yeah. in the glass room but like some of the best scenes in
0: the film i would say they are they are
1: <laughs> some of the best scenes in the film but i yeah. also really do appreciate like them both like where the power dynamic between them is equal and they're like on that escape run, like the, the bit where they're on the ship and they're just Just shouting at each other. And being brothers. (laughs) Yeah. And he like pushes them out and stuff, pushes them out of the ship onto the smaller ship. And then I I think
0: it, I think it proves uh, Thor's point from Avengers one where, you know, Loki is so bent on this idea that you're not really my brother and all this. And he says, you know, we were raised together. We played together. Like in his mind, he is still my brother. And I think that all that scene does is prove that because he may want, he may be jealous of him. He may want to usurp him, but he cannot deny that this is, that is their relationship. They are bickering brothers and he's probably having fun if you asked him, if you were able to.
1: Yeah, no, I think, I think Tom Hiddleston's doing good work here. We've already nominated him. It's, it's kind of a moot point. Like...
0: It's, it's Avengers. It's, it's the Avengers one. That's yeah. the, That's the one. It's accessing the entire character, I think, in, is basically what it is. Thor 1, you're not getting as much of... He, he's not being playful. He's not being funny. And here, like they're they're doing more. Like He's being a bit more badass. He's being very funny. He's being very dramatic. He's got the chemistry with Thor. But Avengers, you get the comedy. You get the most menacing he's ever been. Uh, you get the drama. And... It's great, and he's he is the villain against all these charismatic heroes, and he just crushes it. So, for as good as he is here, and for as much as I will always, always, always point to that one scene as say, Hey, look how good that is, I think we're not going to have a nominee from this film. No, so we have one saved up after we'd used them all previously. So, we, we, have, we do, we have this a is... performance. To give, which is all going to become very important as we get as these films get out of fucking control with their. Yeah, past.
1: I'm still. I can't wait to see what the DVD case for Infinity War looks like. Because if you've <laughs> if you've seen what these DVD cases look like for Civil War and for Guardians of the Galaxy, where it's just list after list of people's names. Yeah. What are they going to do with Infinity War? Because they've got... Like, I feel even Age of
0: Ultron has like so many names on the front cover.
1: He's got two lines. I'm gonna. Yeah. He's got two lines worth of names. But then you also have to remember that they're going to add the entirety of... <sighs> the entirety of the Guns and Galaxy cast to that, who all get above on box credits. Yeah. Every single one of them. And then you also have to remember that like, Spider-Man wasn't in... <laughs> Well, Spider-Man wasn't credited on the box of that one, but now he will have yeah. to be because he's led his own movie. Yeah.
0: They're going to have to do two rows at the top, two rows at the bottom, I'm telling you right now. That's <laughs> that's legit going to happen. What's going to happen? Like, Is Tommy Hiddleston going to have to be on the box? Is
1: Benicio Del Toro going to have
0: to be on the box? They'll like probably this... get away with not putting them on. But yeah, I but this... think most so... other people are going to be on there. But that is in the far, far future. This has not been a great one to discuss, but... Next time, we have a serious contender for maybe not the very top spot, maybe in some people's mind, but right up there in the in the upper echelon, we will be talking about Captain America, the Winter Soldier, and I'm very excited. I almost forgot we had to record this, and I was getting excited to record that. But that is next time. Until then, enter therealworld.com to ease in real world. It is a pun. Listen to all our good stuff. From Broadcast Depth is our Lost podcast. That is good stuff from Kevin Ford and Ben Lundy. I thought that Art world is done for. Winter Soldier next time. Thank you, Ben, for tolerating this one. And lucky you, you get to watch Winter Soldier in the next week or so. I do.
1: I mean, I don't think we get a bad movie for the next 11 films. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, that's me assuming that Black Panther's good.
0: <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, thank you for this one. And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Goodbye.
1: Bye.